I'd like to acknowledge Australia's First Nation people as the traditional custodians of the land, and for this episode in particular, the Wandandi people. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And that's what I love about wine. There's just so many different ways you can experience, um, you know, being together and um, being peaceful together and enjoying each other's company and, and, and loving life and sharing, you know. I think it's a, it's a wonderful medium for community and family and friends to be together. This is Over a Glass. I'm Shante Whale. There are a handful of personalities in the wine world whose names are spoken of with reverence and their contribution to the industry, momentous. Then there is the earth mother of them all, the Queen Bee, no it's not Beyonce, but the one and only Vanya Cullen. Vanya Cullen is the daughter of pioneers, she is a highly awarded viticulturalist, chief winemaker of Cullen Wines and devoted custodian of the land Willie Abrup in Margaret River. Hi Vanya, thanks for joining me. Hi Shante, my pleasure. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> uh, look, I hope by way of that introduction, I've touched on my great esteem and admiration that I have for you. Thank you for your valuable time. I know how incredibly busy you are. You've always got something on the go. So thank you for spending an hour with me today. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> Vanya, you're the youngest of six children to your visionary parents. What was your childhood like growing up in Margaret River? Um, well, actually, we were born in Bustleton, um, which is in the same region, then moved out to Margaret River in the, the late uh, 70s. Um, but it was really, um, we had property, Dad loved uh, fishing, and uh, so we had property at a place called Gallows. We used to go stay down there on weekends, and so always had a connection to Willie Abrup um, and the Margaret River region in, in that sense. And so it was quite dreamlike, actually, when you, especially when you look at all the you know the things that you know you took for granted it just I mean even the other night we were down on the beach having drinks um are you allowed to have drinks on the beach you know are you you're not allowed to have fires anymore and we're saying well you know we always used to have fires and you know we didn't think about things and so those freedoms um are really very much um, a part of uh, something I think having a very privileged dreamlike childhood where we used to play in nature, go to the beach every day, um, you know, ride horses, just just really uh, live a life um, with great, um, yeah, with great freedom, not really worrying about very much because we didn't have, you know, our phones. We were just always, um, you know, we get home from school, we'd go to the beach, we'd play together, you know, and I think that I really was very blessed to have um, parents like mum and dad who are great visionaries about nature and the environment um, to uh, have as, um, yeah, sort of mentors, I suppose, in the world. Mm. Mm. I mean, such a beautiful spot. Bustleton, I actually uh, did some diving under the Bustleton jetty. Do you have memories of kind of that's incredible for people that don't know that incredibly long jetty that's almost two kilometres long, I think it is. I know. I think it was the longest or second longest jetty in the southern hemisphere, and certainly, yeah, no. Every every day down at the jetty, sort of um, swimming and going crabbing and fishing, and in fact, last year I did a, a quarter of the um, jetty swim, which is I swam around the end of the jetty, which I was fascinated to to do because I had my goggles and snorkels. I think no one else had their goggles and snorkels. They were all trying to do the best time, but I was really interested to see what was out at the end of the jetty to have a look at all that beautiful fish life and everything. It was quite quite an extraordinary thing, you know. 
So, um, yeah, a very peaceful um, place to grow up in, um, which, which, yeah, very happy childhood. Mm. Mm, sounds beautiful. What Do you have a, a first memory of wine or a first memory that you, you remember taking note of perhaps your parents drinking wine or, you know, a first moment? Yeah, I have a first moment of a great wine experience um, and that was uh, I got uh, – when I was at university, I went along to a um, – it was a after wine show lunch um, and people were just, you know, as they do, you know, going to the bottle shop next door and as you could back then get, you know, Grand Cru Burgundies for reasonable prices. And, you know, it was sort of like a competition and I remember having was a Grand Cru um, Burgundy uh, that I just thought this is just so amazing. It was a 1976 um, 76 Eshazo and I just thought this is incredible and then everyone wanted to keep moving on to the next one and I was like why why can't we stay with this one it's so good so that was my first memory of 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 wine in in that way of having a transporting experience with you know um yeah great burgundy and and so and once you've had that sort of that experience, you sort of uh, always kind of are looking for that that transporting experiences, which you do find in great wine. Yeah, so that was that was pretty. I just was like, we don't want to. Why is everyone wanting to taste another ten wines when we have a great wine on the table? <laughs> mm. And that still happens today, doesn't it? When you have dinners and everybody brings a bottle, often, you know, you've got so many different ones to get to, and there's something that stands out to you that you just kind of need to have a little moment with. It so does, yeah. Yeah, no, they're alive. They're having a conversation with you. So it's like almost, you know, you've got to uh, – yeah. It's, it's, and, and often I think, you know, you know people have a great bottle of wine and they have a wine theme around that, that bottle so that it can be appreciated. And also invariably the other thing is, you know, great, the, what great wines can be, you know, the reds, which are at the end of the dinner when people are tired. So – um, there's a whole lot of reasons for having less wine, less wine, but better wine, which was my mother's um, mantra, which was quality, not quantity. So I'm sure she would would love that <laughs> too. <laughs> She's a very, very wise woman. Now I want to get to how kind of Cullen wines came to be, but I believe that you studied music and even zoology for a time there. Does music still play an important role in your life? And, and why did you decide to go down the wine path? And I'm very grateful, so I have to say that, that you did. <laughs> but um, music music was big in there for a while. Yeah, no, I studied music at university and I, I love music and I, I have a musical soul. But I do believe that everything is, you know, vibration and, and sound is vibration. And if you want to go into that, that everything was created through sound and vibration road you can and certainly with the biodynamics that we practice now it is about that 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 sense of connection which comes through um you know energy and vibration of aliveness and vibrancy so i think it's not disconnected and you know the the music this you know when you talk about you know i love the um the acknowledgement of a country the wadandi people if you talk about the, the song lines that exists within country of, you know, travelling from, you know, through the energy of the land to when the land, because land is sentient, then you have that, that song line existing there. So music is, you know, I always imagine that I will go back and study music and I'd like to do that, um, but I don't know when or how, but, um, yeah, it's always a part of my daily daily life in one way or another. Mm. 
Yeah, it does feel like a lot of the things you are interested in general have kind of come full circle. And like you said, they still play a very important part in your life, perhaps just in a different way than you imagined maybe when you were first first kind of growing up and studying. Cullen Wines began in the ground in, in 1971, but can you just give the listeners a bit of an overview of how Cullen Wines came to be? Yeah, look, mum and dad, um, you know, they had property out here and they, that was back in the 60s and they had a, a very good friend um, called Dr. John Gladsons, of course, who is, you know, the founder of the Margaret River through his um, his paper that he wrote describing the region as being suitable for great wine production, particularly of the, you know, Cabernet family. And um, so he came and visited them and mum and dad were talking about planting lupins at the time and sheep and cattle are very, um, always had lots of ideas and lots of energy. And he said, oh, you'd be mad to plant um, lupins. He said, I'm just about to complete this study, um, which shows that this region has uh, incredible potential for growing um you know, uh, Baudelaire varieties. And so Dad uh, actually called uh, a grape grower meeting in 1966 and he had a, a group of people uh, that were had plots of land um, and uh, that was Juniper Estate and there was the mentions and there was the species and they all um, planted uh, the, the juniper lot was was sort of mum and dad's with Jeff and Sue Juniper and that was in 1966 that they they had that that initiated that planting and so that was that was sort of um you know something that they it was an incredible thing to call a meeting I think 100 people came along and the the head um viticulturist of the ag department Dr Bill Bill Jamison who used to come down every weekend and help people you know now we have consultants and things like that but you know he felt it was uneconomic to plant if you looked at the Swan Valley model which was you know more fertile soils and water to to plant but he he was also the head of the agriculture department at the time was a teetotaler so he was up against a whole you know a, a, a blank wall in terms of what he wanted to do so I think these people you know like um that work for the ag department like Don John Gladsons and Bill Jamisons are sort of the the unsung heroes of the whole story in a way and certainly the pioneers you know dad and um, Dr Cullity and Dr Panel were very much um taking the direction of, of those people at the time so um that that was it and, and I know that there was just a great enthusiasm for you know, making the best quality wine and um, it was a really a time when everybody helped each other and, um, you know, believed in the dream of, you know, you know, the best quality wine. I think they even tried to establish an appellation system because, of course, at the time in Australia there was no label integrity program until 1993, I think it was. So people were just blending wine from everywhere and if someone said it was from the Margaret River region, then, you know, uh, it could be from anywhere. Um, so I think also the other interesting story is that, you know, the, there was a, um, a time at which the uh, Margaret River wine region was the, the meeting where it was going to be called Margaret River or Willie Abrup and um, I think it was – going to be called Willie Abrup and um, somebody took somebody else outside and talked them into calling it Margaret River. So it's it's sort of in my mind a kind of a sad story that it was never called 
Willyabra because it's an Indigenous name, which is where we want to go with in terms of learning about sustainability and real land care. So um, I, I, it, that's a story that isn't often told either. And I know I know the players in that that story, but it was a one vote that it wasn't the area wasn't the whole area wasn't called Willyabra. So it's it's um, the, all those stories are in the past. But, you know, obviously the, the scientific uh, work of John Gladstone's um, was really what uh, got the, the pioneers inspired to plant um, in this region and particularly in Williabra. Yeah, there's a few, you know, like when you think about Margaret River and you think about that region, you certainly think of some of those integral names that really, like you said, if they hadn't have kind of had that kind of brainstorm and, and kind of had that little flyover and said that could be a good spot, it, it could be a very, very different place and we're very lucky that they had the foresight they did. Now, Diana Madeline and Kevin John are names synonymous with wine lovers across the entire world. But for you, they were your parents. Can you tell me, and I know this is a hard question, but can you tell me in a few words a little bit about the kind of people that your mother and father were? Well, look, it was Dad's 100th birthday last year and Mum's 100th birthday. She turned 100 on Saturday, on the 11th of February. So, um, yeah, they were, you know, in terms of Mum, she was, you know, obviously a matriarch. She had six children. She was a... A visionary. Um, she was an environmentalist, um, and she really cared greatly about the world. And um, Dad was along similar lines. I mean, obviously he was a doctor and a healer. Uh, they had enormous amounts of energy to to do things. Um, they never stopped working, both of them. And um, unfortunately, Dad was taken young um, at the age of seventy with motor neuron disease. Ironically, being a biodynamic producer through contact with Agent Orange. In in Vietnam when he was a doctor there in the late 60s. And, um, you know, I, I think that they worked hard, um, you know, for the causes of good all the time. They never stopped helping people. And if you talk to the early pioneers down here, they always said mum and dad were just always helping them and always positive. And, you know, they had great courage because they just um, – you know, as well as, I mean, Dad started what is now the second longest running health study in the world, um, the Bustleton Health Study in the 1960s as well. So it was always um, a childhood um, with parents who who gave all the time to everybody and who brought enormous, um, uh, I suppose, change wherever they went. I mean, Mum went to, um, she wanted to study natural childbirth techniques and so at that time it was the, the greatest advances were in Russia and it was in the late 50s and she was told that she could go there um, but she might not be, get out, you know. So she went, she got on a boat and went to Paris instead and studied in Paris in the 50s. I mean, it's an incredible thing to think of that, you know, she just did that. And um, so, yeah, uh, it's like I think that nothing – they created a world where, you know, all of our, our family – I have five daughters, brothers and sisters – or we all feel we can do anything because of the positive nature of both of our parents. And I think that's a great gift to give any child. Uh, incredible. I mean, I, I don't know how she, they found the energy with six children to do anything, let alone have these full jobs and full lives and, and to be so inspirational. I mean, I can definitely see why you all must just look up to them and what, what wonderful role models to have. 
I mean, my sister Shelley and I were even talking about Christmas, you know, how you know we all delegate now who does the mince tarts or whatever. You know, mum used to do all of it. And she had six kids and she had dad and everything. Like, how did she do that? You know, it's like, it's, 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 I suppose it's just, you know, busy people get things done. So, yeah, no, I think it's a great blessing too. And also I, I do really feel it's very important to honour your ancestors. And, you know, for me having, you know, mum and dad both died during harvest and it's great, uh, you know, it's a great – initially I used to think it was very sad that I had to keep working and, you know, couldn't take time up. But now I think it's a great blessing because I remember them with great joy, you know, every time, you, you know, you're making the Diana Madeline or the Kevin John, you, you think of them and, and uh, you know, it's another storyline of ancestors and honouring which is very important and something I think that sadly is missing a lot in our world. Mm, today for sure that that's very true you know and having the bottle of, of uh, Cabernet's Diana Madeline and the Chardonnay of Kevin John what a wonderful way to honor them because like I said they have become so synonymous with the wine world in that people will, will forever know those wines but then also remember the people that they were and I just think it, it like you said it, it does kind of come full circle when you when you start thinking a little bit about the kind of people they were and, and what was the decision to make the Cabernet's in honour of your mother and the Chardonnay in honour of your father. What was the thought process there? Well, as, as usual, it was sort of an organic or biodynamic process. Um, mum came first. I mean, she passed in 2003 and she always said that, you know, the 2001 vintage, which was the vintage – the first vintage of Diana Madeline where we renamed it from Cabernet Merlot. She always said she wanted to stay another live at least another two years. Well, it's probably it's still drinking really well another 20 years later um, to taste that wine. And she never would want in her being alive, she never wanted uh, her name on the label and neither did Dad. They're very much, they would never dream of that. They were so self-effacing. But um, we just felt it was it was a nice thing uh, to do on the year of her passing was to release a, a great um, wine in in honour of, of her. Um, so that's Diana Madeline. And then around, I think it was the 2006 vintage, um, with, there was a bit of conversation with what about dad, you know. So um, we poor old dad, that's not good, but he did start our Chardonnay tasting. So it's sort of like it, it, in the people say, why did you not name the red after your dad and the white after your mum? And I think that's an incredibly sexist thing to say, you know. Um, so they both love wine and they both love white and red wine. But dad did start the Chardonnay tasting. That was his big, you know, benchmarking, you know, Chardonnays around the world with Margaret River Chardonnay. And back in 1982 uh, vintage was the first vintage they started that. So it was sort of came about like that and then we, you know, we've had the – so it's, it's, it's sort of a nice thing. I think it's nice to have things as they come up, you you work with it in that way rather than, um, you know, making a, a marketing discussion about it that it has to have me- meaning and, um, and a real sense of what is at that time and what's real. Mm. Yeah, it definitely makes a lot more sense uh, when we talk about Cullen in general that it kind of came about that way. Now, following in in their incredible footsteps, in your time, you have transformed Cullen Wines into a biodynamic and carbon positive winery. This is, from what I've gathered from our time that we've spent together, this is so much more than a business philosophy. It's really a way of life for you. What's the experience been like in transforming what you were given into what the winery is today? 
Well, yeah. It, firstly, it really, I think, um, to frame this discussion, the, the, the you know, we have an existential crisis called climate change um, that we're living in that we need to we need to address immediately. Um, and secondly, I suppose always the, the you know the earth and the environment and it's a legacy from a my parents, um, you know, to care for the environment, you care for the environment, the care, environment looks after you or nature looks after you. And so when we, we – mum and I started, you know, minimal chemical inputs and then we went organic. Um, and uh, it, when she passed in 2003, we were certified organic at that time. And then it was just with her passing, I felt a little bit empty and – Going to biodynamic was just it's it's a step up from organic because it's certified organic plus all the biodynamic with the connection with the you know the earth to sky and the the microbiological life from the cow manure and the plant preparations so it was sort of like a step of like going a little bit deeper and more and better and it was um, really horrible actually in the Australian wine industry in particular people weren't nice so really hostile and aggressive and um, you know being um, excluded and I knew intuitively that that would happen that I would just be cut off all mainstream events and put into the environmental section and I remember our wine which was made as you know great wines of the world are without additions I remember one Australian wine fest I went to that, you know, our wine, because it didn't have added tannin, added acid, everything, it was described as being idiosyncratic and therefore recognisable. And uh, I just, you know, I, I it, it was unpleasant and hostile and, you know, people make me feel like, you. why do you make us feel like we should be doing something? And it's something that in, in my lifetime I never thought I'd live through the tipping point where – because of climate change or legislation or the knowledge about the dangers of glyphosate and cancer, that people are, you know, the tipping point has come and there's big companies now in Margaret River changing over to organic, you know, like um, Voyager and Vas Felix and a lot more and that whole awareness that I never, ever thought, thought I would live through that and that has been the greatest joy because it's really not about me or Cullens. It's about, you know, looking after the earth in a bigger context for future generations and, um, you know, putting toxic chemicals on the land to farm isn't the way to go forwards. Um, it's, it's, it's just um, – needs to be addressed and so it's a really great joy to, to see that but it it's only just happening now and um you know feeling that you really you're you only your people are the people that are farming with biodynamics or organics because you know you have a you know it's fun doing presentations with them because they're a little bit crazy generally below like me but also you know um you know they're fun and they care and uh you know i'm often told well you know you'd be you know Collins we making and i do see the whole Cullen Wines as a team effort with the land and all the people. Um, I'm more the spokesperson than the. It's 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 like it it is um, you know a, a story about you know purity of land and wine and um, yeah. So I could go on and on about it, but it's like mm. oh, I want you to go on and on about it. But um, you know, I think what 
has always really come across is that the people that you work with, particularly at the cellar door, um, your viticulturists, your yourself, anybody that I've come into contact with Cullen, it's really very clear that they are incredibly passionate and that not just that there is a certain amount of preparations or something that's kind of a, a, a terminology that's kind of been thrown around because it's really the inward. It, it really has been a philosophy of the people and the way they want to live their life. And that really comes across. And I'll never forget years and years ago before the word, you know, biodynamics was even thrown around in wine or, or um, you know, our carbon footprint was even a question you always said, and you said to me in particular, sustainability is not enough. We can't stop there. We need to be not just thinking about what we can do for the, you know, 100 years, but what we're putting back and what we're giving and regenerating. And, and it's not just soils. It's, it's so much more. And I think that um, it's just inspiring. Um, and you've always uh, kind of walked your own path. And it, and it really is, um, you really are a leader in that area. But I'll, I'll stop harping on because I could go on and on forever as well. <laughs> No, no, it's just, the, yeah, the people that work for us, I mean, they come because they want to, there, there's no real direction with respect to, you know, and I see real sustainability as being Indigenous land care going forwards, having been a company that's looked, you know, after the land for 50 years. It's just that, you know, you've got humbling, um, you know, 65,000 years of Wadandi land care that is truly sustainable to look towards to how we can, in a deeper sense, look after the land and ourselves as as a human race. Um, so, yeah, the people that come to us are coming because they want that, how, how can we do something that's, um, that's meaningful and real and authentic? So... You know, because there is a lot of greenwashing out there and, and that's really being a big shift too in the type of people that have come to work at Cullen's. As, as you say, they're very passionate, they're committed. You know, they, they you cannot, um, you know, and, and just you see the truth of what can happen um, when you farm like that. And so it's, it's really been a wonderful, another wonderful thing that's happened as a, as a result of going biodynamic. And the carbon positive, well, we just decided to, um, uh, Matt Dermody was our vineyard manager at the time, he was really into carbon. So he we measured the carbon from uh, in the soil from 2014 to 19 and found that we're actually our whole business because we've been carbon neutral since 2006, offsetting our emissions through planting trees in biodiversity corridors and you know we found we're actually carbon positive so our soils being organic actually sequester more carbon than a whole business emits which is astonishing in terms of um, climate change and it wasn't an outcome that we had expected uh, but but you know this has cost our business probably since 2006 about $25,000 a year and I do feel that you know there needs to be accountability of business in in with respect to climate change and that mitigation, like you pay your tax, you you know you look after the land, so that's been an incredible thing for us to look at. And then we've gone further into having a, a carbon farming project, which is you know all of that is just so um, not uh, stable in terms of we don't know whether we're going to make money or lose money. There's been so many warts of carbon farming projects, but I do believe in the principle it's the right thing to do to look after the land. And if you have natural land, you know, with tree farming or native forests, 
you will get carbon sequestration that's stable and not blowing off the land. So that's a principle that we're, we're looking at as to how can we better farm those areas so that they are, um, as well as making great wine um, uh, sustainably, you know, how can, how can we make that um, happen with our other agricultural areas of, of farming land that we have? Incredible. Just totally awe-inspiring. Can I ask... If you can give an example, just one, because I know there's many that you could give, but how does the lunar calendar affect some of the decision that you make as a winemaker? Well, we, we started off just by observation. I think biodynamics is about observation, both in the vineyard and the winery. And, um, you know, we, we had when we started, there was, you know, if you pick obviously a fruit day is a fruit day and a flower day is a flower day. So we, we through observation, we have observed um, that if you have a moon opposite Saturn day and it's a, a good picking day like a, a fruit day or a flower day, then you get a, an uplift of character and, and intensity of vibrancy. Um, and, of course, it's difficult because you can't do a scientific experiment to compare it. But certainly in terms of observation of, of taste, that there's tangible differences on those days. And that was that calendar is based around work that was done by a German horticulturalist called Maria Thun in the 19... Uh, yeah, she did 30 years research and found that, you know, about the, the 24 constellations and the fire signs, air signs, leaf signs and earth signs and, and how you can farm using the lunar calendar. And certainly before um, conventional agriculture, everybody farmed using the moon. Um, and, you know, you do see, I think with one in the vineyard, we did a moon opposite satin leaf day planting and then we did another planting there was something like five days difference in extra growth and if and it's the same thing in wine <coughs> it's a um it's a tangible uh living product so you can't say it, you're not going to get the same differences um for uh wine as you do on the land because it's the same thing hmm yeah, it, it's it's truly fascinating, and I think um, you know the reason I ask that is because you know there there are very tangible components. When uh, sometimes for some people it can it can seem a little bit of boo hockey, and and but when you come down to actually product and and looking at, at, at how it really can affect um, you know how much bottle how much wine you're even bottling or whatever it may be, it's it's pretty amazing but sometimes I think you you kind of need to go down the rabbit hole to really kind of understand it all which is a perfect reason to visit Cullen Winery and to hear from someone like I know Matt's not there anymore but I, yeah, I could listen to him talk all day long he, he's amazing yeah we've got some very passionate sort of people working there that are equally able to discuss all that and it's um it's great because also with biodynamics it's a very individual way of looking at the world so you know someone sees people see color wines in different ways in the same way because of the the nature of you know it is about nature so you have a different consciousness of the same thing which is exactly what Rudolf Steiner wanted was to have that individual expression Mm, and that just that that considerate thought amazing now you've always been devout in championing Williabrup as a, as a region and and as a sub-region what makes that region really unique to you um, well, Williabrot means um, a, a place of red ochre, and there is a it's it's the climatic um, it's the position. Firstly, to be close close to um, the ocean, 
Um, and, and also the fact that we're in the middle of the wind. Um, John Gladstone's did a, a sub-regional map based on drainage systems of the whole region. Um, but if you look at if you look at say where we're harvesting from top to bottom, there's a three to four week window of harvest um, time difference. And Williabrup is in the middle with the you know the red ochre soils. Um, and that moderation of wind because in the north you get more heat and, and, you know, the winds from the north and in the south you get those south winds. In fact, in 2021, most of the people in South Margaret River, because we're not allowed to call subregions, um, you know, didn't do any red harvest because there was too much rain, whereas our 2021 Dynamelon, which we've just launched, um, is absolutely stunning. So I, I think there's those things that you can't, Everything that happens around harvest is is the critical thing. And John Gladstone's always said that you know he said the um, he worked as a, he had holidays as a little boy in Augusta, which is in southern Margaret River, and he used to see that you know the cloud come over and the consistency of climate. And he said those differences in rain and coolness of subregions are getting bigger, not less. So um, yeah, and I think it's. Williabrup is was the place that was chosen by John to as being you know in terms of how he saw things at the time in terms of a, a climatologist and viticulturalist agriculturalist being the best suited for Cabernet Sauvignon in terms of all those aspects of timing and um, weather and certainly. Or we had a Keith Mugford and I was judging about six wine shows in 1999 and everyone was talking about Margaret River Cabernet as being green. And, um, you know, uh, well, I sort of mentioned it to Keith Mugford and we approached John to see if he had any thoughts on it. And he had already thought of it um, and, and drew up this map based on drainage systems. And it's not to say anything is better or worse in Margaret River, it's just to honour the differences between yelling up Williabrup, you know, Woodjit up or Wallcliffe and Carradale because there are very big differences in the land and in the wine styles. And I think it's a sign of a mature wine region if you can acknowledge and protect those those names and wines and wine regions. Um, unfortunately, the um, – what we put forward as a group for uh, the GI recognition with Wine Australia was um, opposed by the Mark River Wine Industry Association and um, was uh, was we're allowed to use Willie Abrupt, but um, it was a very good um, uh, uh, proposal. Yeah, no, it was very good. Um, and uh, so, you know, we just can only talk about Margaret River now, which is a shame because I think the great thing about great wine in the world is, you know, we know Bordeaux, we know uh, Burgundy. Uh, you do get really down into what each piece of land can do within each subregion, and that's the fun bit because you can talk about the differences and, you know, how great that region is or that region because of this or that. So I see Willie Abrupt Cabernet Sauvignon as having – the qualities um, in terms of um, flavours of being, you know, the roses, the violets, the 
the mulberries, the red fruits and the, the bitter chocolate and red capsicum and the ironstone that some people describe that as being iodine sea salty. And then you have the incredible sort of um, tannin profile of, you know, silky tannins and sort of that long, long finish. Whereas, you know, if you go further south, you've got the blueberries, sage, and you've got that really kind of deeper sort of, sort of colour and, you know, context. And then further north you have different, more sort of cherry likes. I think those differences are quite beautiful and gorgeous and something to be celebrated and honoured and protected. So um, that was a pretty, another big blow along with the, um, you know, the whole thing with biodynamics and organics. But, you know, you've got to fight your battles and, and uh, stand up for what you believe in. And I think um, in terms of Australian wine, I would say that too, that if you're looking for a direction of where to next, it is that knowing of what land makes what and to to honour and protect that land as as the Indigenous people. I mean, if you look at why is it called Willyabra, why is it called Wujidup? Well, because there's differences of place that they knew for, you know, tens of thousands of years, which are about that place that make it unique. So, um, but you know, I mean, everyone has their right to say whatever they think, and you know, people do a lot of cross-regional blending as their, you know, for their their wine brand and um, yeah, whatever region. But I still think that it's 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 the a big topic for the region. Whether it will happen or not, um, I I doubt it. I can't see any way at this stage that it'll ever get through with the people that are up against it. So, But we can still do it. We can still talk about Williabrap and say how fabulous it is and um, and enjoy that in our own space. We're allowed to use the name at this present time. Hmm. I couldn't agree more with – and you said that so well. But, you know, I think in a lot of uh, Australia now, it kind of filters out kind of what is going to be uh, perhaps – a strength later on and I think like Tassie or wherever we may see perhaps you know the GIs aren't you know as up to date as but the the way that we forge forward and the way that we talk about it and the strength of the wines coming from those areas it's almost like our society kind of you know just kind of trundles on and goes way ahead and and then the kind of legislation slowly like slugs along and eventually catches up to us so I think that that is the right way to think about it is to keep forging forward and pushing and seeing what strengths are coming out of each of their own regions and and the people in the know will know them like the back of their hand yeah and and it's also um I think it's the same with organic and biodynamic. There's no legislation to protect those names. So anybody can put organic or biodynamic or Willyabra up on their label at this stage and people wouldn't know any different that it wasn't organic or biodynamic or Willyabra because anyone can say it, um, which is something I think it, it doesn't protect an industry which is trying to do the right thing by the land or people that are trying to buy organic food because and it's like natural wine. What's natural wine? What's organic wine? It's, it's um, just something, as you say, the legislation's way behind and um, – I don't know when that, that's going to change. So you really have to rely on the integrity and the authenticity of the brand itself um, because there isn't anything else that you can go by. But um, there certainly is up against a lot of greenwashing and a lot of, you know, all of that sort of stuff. But you just have to, as you say, you know, believe in what you're doing, keep going and um, don't let people get you down. 
<laughs> perfect, perfect answer to life. But I think also the people that that want to perhaps eat organic or drink organic, they are do tend to be the people that are willing to do a little bit more kind of unearthing and discovery and do a bit more research as well, which is a really positive I think to to be in touch with, you know, not just kind of swallowing the pill hole, but also going now let me let me look a little bit further into that. So hopefully that is also the approach of of the consumer as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, in many moons down the track, what do you hope for the future of Cullen Wines? Well, I think it's to make um, even greater wines sustainably. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we are uh, – I was thinking about this the other day. It is very important to me that it's a family company, that it goes on to the next generation. I think, you know, we do have, um, uh, you know, uh, next generation members that are interested in perhaps not working directly but certainly – emotionally connected to the, the business and so I, I hope that you can never say what's going to happen um, but that would be a dream you know to go into the next generation and um, look at uh, keep things um, quality and just evolve the company conservatively in a way which keeps it going so it is a sustainable successful sustainable wine business I think the the potential for Wine is, you know, yet to be realised, obviously, you know, but I do think the site that we have is a great site. I think we've got um, at, at the present time due to the negative Indian dipole effect and the um, we, we still have had a lot of rain and uh, we haven't experience, been experiencing the hot, dry conditions that this region is forecast to have with global warming. Uh, so we, everything is kind of... You know, we're watching to see what happens with that. Uh, I, I think that 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 is bigger than anything that about you know um, secession planning or future of wine um, because that could change everything. But having said that, I think there's always you always wonder what's going to happen. Um, but I think the dream would be that yeah, to keep making great wine sustainably and to evolve the the business um, slowly, plant new areas, new clones, and to have a you. Know, intergenerational business that goes on for hundreds of years sounds sounds wonderful and I, I don't have any doubt that you're going to be having lots of people to continue on that legacy which is wonderful <laughs> mm, I hope so <laughs> I've heard you say before that you have you like a simple life take me through what an idyllic day in the life of Vanya Cullen looks like well, it's very seasonal, so I think um, – but I, I do like to go into the ocean every day and swim. I think that's something that's as much as I can. Um, and, um, you know, going to work, I mean, at time of the year, like this time of the year, going out in the vineyards, having a look at the vineyards, um, tasting the ferments, um, you know – and, and generally based around um, work and things like doing interviews like this. Um, and then, of course, there's the travel time. So when I'm doing promotions, that's a completely different. So I'd like to think at some stage I get the whole day programmed around the six-season Wadandi calendar um, so that each, each day is slightly different um, based on where we are in, in the year. Um, uh, because you, you must know there's no if you're particularly if you're a biodynamic farmer and nature based you don't have a day 
a day that you do something. So if I don't get to have a have a swim, I act like my shower is my day. I think the you know the ocean is an enormous um, clearing, um, and you know the, the benefits of swimming in cold water are enormous, um, and also acknowledging nature. Um, um, I like to meditate, so I meditate every day. Um, it can be between you know five minutes and an hour, depending on how much time I've got, but just to connect to that that place. And um, I think, you know, those techniques of staying peaceful and grounded and, um, you know, appreciating the now um, are very important. I mean, because I'm managing director of a company I've been at for over 40 years, it's like we have, you know, meetings with different areas and you sort of move from, well, there's a problem in this area or there's a problem in that area. So you go into that that place. Um, at the moment, it's the vineyard and the winery, which are, you know, of, of most importance. Um, and, you know, but you never know what's going to come up in a day. There might be bushfire or there might be, you know, something happen, visitors come in. Um, it's a very much a small business, which is dynamic and flexible in terms of my days and nights, I should say. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a day. It's like I was – last night I was, you know um, – yeah, so <laughs> is, I, I don't have a regular day is the answer to that. I love that. Mm. I love that. And do you know, I've actually, um, I've someone's once asked me something similar and I've kind of come back with something similar in that I've always said all seasons, all flavours, all feelings, as in I want the whole range of it all. I don't just want just the ups. I want the downs as well and it, it all the colours make it um, wonderful. And I feel like you've kind of said a very similar thing and like you said your life evolves around the earth and the place and 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 the the place you are and so yeah it does change doesn't it it's wonderful to be out in the middle of a rainstorm and it's great to enjoy the sun and yeah and all of it and I think it's good to have that acknowledgement that nature is is more I suppose working with nature which is people often say you know how do you work the same job for so long and I think well you look at nature and it's constantly evolving and constantly changing and I'd like to think that you know you almost are nature and you are country so you are that so there is no routine as such there's the seasons or their change but you're a part of that and what you do within that is of really no consequence outside of you know needing to get things done um, in a tangible way but um, I think that's really important and that's why you know in terms of going forwards how would you like to be it's to be more of that Beautifully said. <laughs> Vanya, if you could drink three boozy beverages just today or for the rest of your life, what would they be and why? Well, the greatest ones, I was thinking about this, and there's lots of different ways and different contexts for enjoyment. So I went for my greatest wine experiences and um, definitely, you know, the first one was the 1978 Latash, um, just because it's just such, you know, it's – it's one of those, yeah, those transporting wines, which is about, you know, everybody, Bur- Burgundy for most place people is a happy place. And it's just that you have that, that beautiful wine. The other one is, you know, the 1865 Lafitte, double magnum Lafitte, which we had um, with the Len Evans um, Wine Club way back. And that was an astonishing pre phylloxera wine that wasn't caught um, and just totally transporting and totally outside any any wine I've ever had before or since. Um, and if I was to say any, there was a great wine, that would be it. And then, you know, 
Oh, I was thinking I haven't got a white wine in there, but I would have to say the 2021 Dinah Madeline because that is what, you know, the creating, the 50 years of since 1971, the whole ancestors, the land, um, it's a very, very beautiful wine of land and song. So, um, but then I also love, would love to put in the champagne and the Chardonnay and all those sorts of things. So three wines is uh, not enough, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so... That's 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 yeah. I would say they would be the wines that you know the three three wines you'd like to have or think about or be able to do again. You know, um, and obviously the Diana Melons just come out, so that one's easy. Um, <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean, I think you know, you, you just the whole thing of wine is you know what is enjoyable is so much. It's like the conversation of what. What do you do every day? It's like you can have, you know, you don't have to have an expensive one. You can have a, you know, a wine which is an everyday wine which is just so enjoyable and, um, you know, and just you think that's the right wine for that moment with these people and the experience and you don't have to worry about, you know, how it's served or presented or anything like that. And then there's those – so that's what I love about wine. There's just so many – different ways you can experience, um, you know, being together and um, um, being peaceful together and enjoying each other's company and, and, and loving life and sharing, you know. I think it's a, it's a wonderful medium for community and family and friends to be together with. Yeah, it sure is. It really is very true. It's often what 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 it comes down to in the end of the day is is really that it can sum up and and be that moment that kind of brings everyone together. So Vanya, I'm constantly in awe of the way that you live harmoniously with the world around you. Conversations like this are why I started this podcast. So thank you so much for sharing your life and your experiences with me today. Oh, oh, thank you, Shante. Thank you for – I'm very honoured to be on your podcast. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to you, Vanya. I hope we'll chat again soon. Okay. Happy days. Thanks. Thank you. This is Over a Glass. I'm Shante Whale. Stay tuned for more stories from the world of wine and drinks. Listen in every Thursday on your podcast app. Follow us on Instagram at overaglasspod and contact us at overaglass at deepintheweeds.com.au.